Welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Marcus and Melina de la Cruz. We hope that you'll be blessed by today's message. We do put the copyright in here, you know, so. Yeah, 2020. And I know it was April that it actually released. You can set that down there. So thank you if you don't mind. Hallelujah. Um, I want to share some things further in the word. If I can, you know, God's got things for all of us to do. He, no matter who you are, no matter your age, what you look like, whether you're a good student, poor student, you know, whatever the circumstances, God's got, uh, God's got a plan for this earth. He's got a plan for the body of Christ. And there are things that he has that he needs us to do. But the way God works is, see, God is a spirit being. And in order for his work to be done on earth, others need to also do things the way he does them, right? Jesus made this statement, and it really, I mean, uh, really upends a lot of theology. When Jesus said in John 14, 12, he said, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these because I go to my father. I don't know how that verse gets overlooked in people's definitions of God. But, you know, most people say, well, you know, we shouldn't we should never presume to be like Jesus. We should be just like Jesus. And uh, so we're going to have to do things the way he did him. How many know if we're going to do the works that he did? We're going to have to do them the way he did them. And uh, we, find, we find this, that uh, if you want to do spiritual work, you're going to have to be a spiritual person. Yeah. And that's not, a, that's not a terribly tall order, because whether you have thought about it recently, or maybe you've never thought about it, or maybe you think about it all the time, you and I are spirit beings. Right. When we think of spirit beings, we usually think of demons. Or we think maybe of angels or we think of some other principalities, powers, might, you know, those kind of things. And we think, oh, yeah, they're spirit beings. They're in the spirit realm. Friends, you and I are just as much spirit beings as any other spirit beings. We're spirit. We are spirit. Now, you're not just spirit. You're not only a spirit being. First Thessalonians 523 talks very plain, very clear about your spirit, your soul, and your body. And we've, we've endeavored to give definition to that the last couple of days, haven't we? And, you know, we said your spirit is the part of you that contacts God. It's, the, it's your inner man. Uh, really, the body is just, I like Brother Hagin's definition, the house you live in, you know. And if you ever wear gloves, if you wear work gloves or, or, or even uh latex gloves if you're serving you know that glove if you just set that glove up unless it's a real stiff work glove that glove's going to just fall right over but you put a hand in that glove and all of a sudden if you didn't know the difference you would say you wouldn't say that's a glove you'd say that's a hand right but if you weren't used to using that terminology you just say that's a glove they're wearing gloves Right. But the only reason the only reason it looks like a glove is because there's a hand in the glove. And your body is like a glove until you put your spirit in it. And your spirit gives life to your body. Like your hand gives life to that glove. Right. So you might say, well, what is my spirit? What what is it? What is it uh, like? It's like your body without your body. It is a spirit body. There are bodies celestial and bodies terrestrial. So says the King James Version of 1 Corinthians 15. I don't know what it says in other versions, meaning... There are earthly bodies and there are spiritual or heavenly bodies. Amen. And so we are spirit. 
live in a body and have a soul. And we're to get skillful enough at the word that we can divide between soul and spirit. And that's really, it's not hard to divide between spirit and body. Right? Uh, because your body's your outermost layer. All we got to do is slap it, pinch it, hit it, whatever we need. And you got that figured out. You know, you know where that is. Right? Um, and and the, so uh, that soul, that, that is the big problem because that's your thoughts and your feelings. And as we said before, and we're going to repeat it tonight, that your soul will gravitate toward whichever other part of you is strongest. So if your spirit is strongest, your soul will gravitate to and be in submission to your spirit. Do you know what it's like to have your thoughts and feelings in full submission to your spirit? Well, you might not know what it's like, but look at Jesus because he's one that demonstrated that. His thoughts and his feelings were in complete submission to his spirit. How many here? I mean, we're not going to ask for uh, testimonies because we'd be giving them all night long. But how many here have ever said something you shouldn't have said? How, how, how recent did it happen? Uh, we could probably find somebody in here that did it today. Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have said. Come on now. Am I the only one? I mean, I mean, it seems like like I could write a book on on uh, my life of shouldn't have said call it shouldn't have said that chapter one <laughs> last week, chapter two this week. But hopefully we're getting better. But what's that? That that means if if you say stuff that you shouldn't have said, that means that your thoughts and feelings, instead of aligning and submitting to your spirit, your thoughts and feelings were picking up the voice of your flesh when you get flesh, thoughts, and feelings together, you have what the Bible calls a carnal individual, a, a flesh-ruled Christian. And a flesh-ruled Christian is as spiritually useful as a lost person. The Bible says the natural man talking about lost people, right? People who are spiritually dead, people who are separated spiritually from the Lord. The Bible says the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. He doesn't even know them or recognize them because they're spiritually discerned or recognized. I was serious about what I said about you by the Spirit, by the way. I get, you know that. It just, it just uh, I looked at you and it, there it is again. The good part, that, that part, it was all good. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I'm serious what I said about that. Don't you forget it. Amen. If God has me say it twice, yeah. <laughs> he's emphasizing it. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Where was I before I was so gloriously interrupted? You know how to say it. I can't say rudely interrupted if it's the Spirit of God, right? Gloriously interrupted. Praise the Lord. It, yeah, so uh, the natural person receives not the things of the Spirit of God. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even recognize the movement of the Spirit. Why? He's disconnected from the Spirit, from the God side of the spiritual realm. And the carnal Christian, the flesh-ruled Christian, or the Christian whose thought, who, whose flesh is stronger than their spirit, and as a result, their thoughts and feelings align with their flesh. Meaning, if they feel it, they say it. If they want it, they do it. That individual is flesh-ruled, carnal, and is in the same boat as the lost person when it comes to recognizing the movement of God. They, they, the, we could say this, the flesh-ruled Christian receives not the things of the Spirit of God. He doesn't understand them. He doesn't recognize them because they're spiritually discerned. In order to function spiritually, a Christian must be spiritual. Uh, what is a spiritual Christian? It's a Christian whose spirit is stronger than their flesh. How does one get your spirit stronger than your flesh? The spirit must grow and develop. And that was really the first of three parts to this message this weekend. 
The first thing is if you if you want to be a useful spirit being, you have to spiritually develop. Second thing we talked about last night, if you want to be a useful spirit being, you have to be spirit filled. And this, that's a progression from the first night. Spirit filled. Well, what, what are we talking about? Well, one of the ways you do develop spiritually is by feeding just like you do in the natural. I mean, how do you grow? You, if you work out and you want to put muscle on, you can't, you can't just exercise. You have to put some nutrition in there, particularly muscle building nutrition, which is often in the form of protein. So I'm told. You can see I'm more a hearer of the word than a doer of the word in this area. But uh, and, and like, you know, protein that's found in different foods, different things. But how many of you can only eat so many eggs and so many pieces of chicken? And so they make it in powder to where you can drink some of your protein. And, and what are you doing? You're feeding those muscles so that your muscles can grow. You see, really, I have I have the same muscles as my brother here. Right. You got biceps. <laughs> See, in his, in his, by his opinion, he might think, you know, not like I'll make us, maybe not like you want to. But yeah, you got biceps. I got biceps. You got triceps? I got triceps. What's the difference between him and me? His are developed. Mine are still waiting to be developed. But they're there. They're there. They're there. They're but <laughs> if the muscular man can do certain things and I'm not developed, even though I have muscles, I can't do what the muscular man does. Right? The same thing. If I'm a, if I'm a spirit because I'm alive to God, I'm Right. I'm I'm born again. But that doesn't mean I'm spiritual, just like having muscles doesn't mean I'm muscular. Lar. My daughter would understand that reference. That's uh, a musical. Never mind. Popular, popular. It's from Wicked, the musical. Different illustrations in different churches. By the way, whoever cooked last night. Anyhow, okay, listen. You have to feed yourself spiritually, and you have to partake of the Holy Spirit by yielding to expressions of the Spirit. What do we mean by that? Well, things like praise, worship, thanksgiving. See, when, when we have the opportunity, when they're up here leading in praise and worship, how, how many, uh, I know here at this church, because I know how you're taught, how many have discovered the revelation that they're not here to do that in your place? But they're just, so you are to be imitators of them. You might say, I can't sing. Sure you can. You can't record. But you can, or you shouldn't. If you think you can't sing, you shouldn't record. But you can sing if you if you can talk, you can sing. Just it's just talking to music. Talk along with the music. Right. But not just doing that, of course, also engaging your heart and, and being aware of God. See, that that is that's a spiritual exercise. And as you partake of those expressions, you're filling up with God on the inside. As you feed on the word, you're getting stronger and exercising your faith in the word. You're getting stronger. Right. You're developing spiritually. And then as you continue that development and uh, do more and more. Now, back to my great illustration of, of lifting weights. You can see from experience, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, you can put you can have like on a I have a weight machine. You believe it or not. I I have a machine. And I, I, I bought it, not realizing that it wasn't going to lift the weights for me. I thought, well, if you have a machine, surely it must do the work. And I thought I was going to watch it just go, you know, do that. But 
It wants me to do it. Well, you have, there's, this machine has pins. And every 10 pounds, there's a different pin. Well, see, if I never put it past 10, should I be wondering why I'm never making any progress? Right? What do you have to do? You have to do more weight to develop more muscle or more muscle mass, right? More weight. And as a believer, you have to take in more of the things of God to live full of the things of God. How how much of the things of God do you have to partake of? Well, I like to gauge it this way, you know, because uh, we're told to live full. We're told to not be drunk with wine, but to be filled with filled with the spirit. We saw yesterday how we're to be filled with all the fullness of God. So what other what other mechanism do we have in our culture that tells us when we're full versus when we're empty? Well, one of them is in your car. If you have a car and you drive that car, you have a gauge, you, right? Uh, right? You, you have a phone. With the, how, many, how many bars or battery life on that? Now, the phone, once it gets, now they're getting smart. That's why they call them smartphones. But what, what, they're getting to the place now where it's not, see, uh, once it gets to a full charge, it's not going to just keep sucking in power because you'd have a fire on your nightstand, right? If it just kept sucking in, those batteries know when to chill. But your car also, you know, when you fill your car up and you go to a, a good gas station, you put that nozzle in and you and most of the time, I don't know what it's like here in Porterville, but I mean, most places you put that in and you squeeze that gas, get that thing. And you have there's a little thing you can put it on to set it so you don't have to sit there and squeeze the whole time. Right. Don't you like that? So you can walk away, do what you need to do. Well, one time I was doing this in Atlanta with a rental car. I was returning and I'd preached uh, about an hour and a half north of Atlanta in Commerce Georgia. Anybody been to Commerce, Georgia? No biggie. But anyhow, it was a good place. We preached there. And I was returning my rental car to Atlanta on my way to the Atlanta airport. And you have to, how do they want that car returned? They want it returned full. And so, you know how we do. We get, we, you don't want to fill it up too far ahead because then you got to stop again. But then again, you don't want to miss the last, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to get just the last gas station because then you feel like I could have driven on this for a little bit and still return it full. But anyhow, so I found one and it wasn't in a good part of town and I said it and forgot it. And then I look over and there's a, a gentleman with a Harley and on that Harley's a motorcycle. Harley Davidson Motor Company. You're looking at me, you're blank. Is anybody, like, give me a look of recognition. You know what I'm talking about. All right. The blank stare concerns me. It's like, it's like my voice can be a drug and you're just sitting there just like, okay. Yeah. Um, so he had a piece of equipment on his motorcycle. I was interested to ask a question about it because I ride. That's a faith statement. I should say my wife and I own Harleys. We don't very often ride Harleys. I have somebody else coming into town this week to ride my bike while I'm away. That's, that's, how, that's how good we are. And I, I do those kinds of things to care for my motorcycle. I'm going to bring somebody to ride you so you don't feel neglected. So I'm asking him about what's on his bike. And he's, so I'm faced away from the car. And he looks over and he says, hey, buddy, buddy, your car. And I look over. And whatever mechanism they have in there that automatically shuts it off, it didn't work. And without looking at the gauge, I could tell that my car was full. How how could I tell that? How did I know that it was full? Because what I was putting in was spilling out. Now, I know that's, that's an okay illustration if you like cars or if you like motorcycles. 
But some, some of you aren't into cars and motorcycles. Some of you are just family people, and you just have babies. How many here, you, you either have a baby or you have a former baby? Or you have a baby mama or sugar daddy? No, we don't do, we don't do that in this church. <laughs> let me t- okay, so you've had babies. Let me tell you, so, uh, because we're talking about the gauge, the full and empty gauge. So uh, they, should, they should make one of those bibs that has the gas gauge on it, full or empty, because then you'd know, because you know this, if you have a baby in a high chair, toddler, in a high chair, and, and you remember I talked the other night about those strained peas, those strains, that stuff. So you, you take out the spoon, and you want the baby to open his mouth, right? So you play a little game, you sing a little song, you know, open up the mouth or I'll beat you till you're black and blue. You know, whatever song you sing to your baby. Why? To try to, you want to get him to smile and open his mouth. And then when he does, what you do? You stick that spoon in, you wipe it off, and you go back for more. And, and that's how you feed that baby. You, try, uh, you want to get him engaged to where his mouth's open and you can get that in there real good. So you're doing that, and you know, how many ever saw the baby spoons? They had, they're like rubber-coated spoons. Why don't we use those for adults? When did we outgrow the need for a good plastic-covered rubber? I think that would be pretty nice. Have my cereal with a, pla- with a rubber coating on the spoon. Don't even have to put my teeth in. I'm just joking. I got my real teeth. I got my real teeth. So you're doing that to the baby. And at some point, what happens? The baby says, oh, mom, time out here because I've had enough. I'm good. Thank you for the Gerber, for the baby food. But I'm good for now. That'll be all for me. Thank you. Is that what the baby does? No, the baby can't even talk. So you got to have some other way to gauge that the baby's full. Well, I'll tell you how you do it. You know how you do it. You put the spoon in, you, and he opens his mouth, and you put it in. And when the baby's full, what happens? He doesn't swallow it. It comes running right, right, doesn't it? Comes right back out. And all of a sudden, you're in panic mode. You get that rubber spoon. You scoop it back up, and you know he's full. How could you, how did you know that the baby was full? What you were putting in came back out. Now, I can tell you as a Christian what you're full of by what's coming out of you. A Christian that's full of God, a spirit-filled Christian, is a Christian where the Word of God and the expressions of the Spirit of God are coming back out of them. So a full Christian, they're talking the Word. They're talking about the Word. It's good to come hear the word. But do you talk about it after you've heard it? Huh? Do you do you still talk? Do you actually do you do you get it in you strong enough that you can now repeat it? You might say, well, I haven't memorized that. Well, don't think of memorization like like uh, mental memorization. When you build the word into you, you can repeat it back out of you. And then our spiritual expressions coming out of you. you. There should be a continual flow of praise, worship, thanksgiving, other tongues. All, right? Continual flow. And if that's the case, if that flow is there like that, if, if the things of God are coming out of you, you're full. You're a spirit-filled Christian. And if they're not, you're not living full you might be living half full but that's not full now i'm preaching to me just so you know i'm preaching to myself letting you listen in because uh fullness as a christian is not a constant state any more than it is with your baby or with your automobile right as long as you keep driving you you start you spending you're spending as you're driving and then eventually comes to the place where you got to fill back up how many know all you have to do as a Christian is get out in the world, rub up against your co-workers, rub up against circumstances, tests and trials, and, and what are you doing? You're spending that spiritual juice you had, and now you've got to refuel, refill. 
So what's the first thing? If you're going to be an effective, usable spirit being, you've got to develop spiritually. And you have to develop spiritually until you're spirit-filled. Living full. Well, the third element of this, the, and, and really the next thing in the progression here, if you're, if you're spiritually developed and you're spirit-filled, now you can do this third thing, which is to be spirit-led. Spirit-led. Look with me in uh, the fifth chapter of Galatians, if you would. Talking about being an effective, useful spirit being. Because what did we say to you the, the, the will of God and the plan of God is for our lives? Is it just that you live for Him? No. That, that's a, that is a misunderstanding amongst Christians that the, that the highest flow of Christianity is us living for Him. We should live for Him, but the highest flow is Him living through us. Amen. Second Corinthians, the sixth chapter says, I will walk in them. I will live in them. I will be their God. They'll be my people. I'll be their father. They'll be my children. I'm butchering it a little bit, but it basically says that first second Corinthians six uh, 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 somewhere. It's in there. But right now we're in Galatians, the fifth chapter. And verse 16 in Galatians 5, verse 16, Paul's writing to the churches of Galatia, Galatia the Galatian region, you could say. Uh, and it says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, in the Spirit. You see that? If you're going to do the things that Jesus did, you're going to have to do them the way he did them. And the things Jesus did were not natural. They were spiritual. And you're going to have to conduct spiritual transaction. You're going to have to take care of spiritual business. And you're going to have to do that by being skillful with the spirit realm. Right? And when it says walk in the spirit, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, because we we use this phrase in the spirit. We think of being lost in the spirit like like uh, maybe when when the spirit kind of fell last night. You know, and, and different ones, I'm not going to name any names, point anybody out, but different ones were kind of like <laughs> indisposed. If you know what I'm talking about. Well, what were they? They were, they, were, they were so filled with the Spirit that they crossed over a bit into the Spirit and were less useful in the natural realm than they were in the spiritual realm. Is that a nice way to say it and a fair way to say it? And there's times for that. And uh, don't miss those times. Those, there, there are times for that. But when it says walk in the Spirit, it's not talking about being in that state continually because I, I don't know about you, but if you, I mean, if you worked for me and I was your boss and you were, you were suspended between heaven and earth, I say I, I'm going to pay you based on the amount of time you're actually in the natural realm working your natural job, Right? And so uh, clock in when you're ready to work and do that, whatever you're doing, you know, there. Praise the Lord. But this says, this says walk in the, in the Spirit. And really another, this phrase in the Spirit, it occurs throughout Scripture. And it's an important phrase. And really it could best be translated by the Spirit. Do you, see, do you hear what I said and see what I say? Where it says walk in the Spirit. You could say walk by the Spirit. Matter of fact, don't take my word for it. If you study that word in, in the Greek, and it's the word en, E-N, in the Greek. And it can mean in, but it most of the time means by. So walk in the Spirit. In other words, by the direction of, by means of, by the prompting of, right? Walk by the Spirit. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't surprise me if some of you have different translations, or maybe I'm reading out of the King James, if some of you have a more modern translation. It might say, by the Spirit. Is there anyone who's, you're looking at a translation that says, by the Spirit? Okay, which translation do you have? 
The New International. Read it for me if you don't mind. Live by the Spirit. Well, that's the same way as walk, right? Walking, it's not talking about the physical act of walking. It's talked about conducting your life or living. Live by the Spirit. What's it go on to say? And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Yeah. I take issue with how they translated the last part of that, but I like how they translated the first part of that verse. Amen. I won't get into that. Walk, uh, and so here's how the King James says it. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust, desires, her, her translation said desires, you'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Now, I don't, I don't like that phrase, sinful nature, for this very reason. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and when a person is born again, it's my belief that the sinful nature is destroyed, replaced by the new creation, the new nature. Now, what's not replaced is the flesh nature. You still have the nature of your body. You still have desires of the flesh. And so, you know, maybe it's splitting hairs. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But uh, and of course, smarter people than I did all these translations. Trust me on that. Walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust or the desires of the flesh. Folks, folks say all the time and listen, it's no nothing to be ashamed of. It's just reality. People say, well, I've got desires that seem to overwhelm me. I've got things that I don't seem to be able to put my foot on. You know that that uh, the, 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 the urges get so strong. Things get so strong. How do I deal with it? How do I right? anybody you've ever been there or maybe, you know, someone that that's been there. Maybe the Christians up in Tulare, is that how you say it? Maybe Christians up in Tulare deal with it more than Christians in Porterville. Huh? Uh, yeah. So all of us, right? All of us, but yet, yet there, there are some, there are individuals that if you, if you yield enough to, if you yield enough to certain things, well, they become stronger, stronger, and stronger, and stronger. Well, how do, how do I get rid of it? I, I, I got to get rid of it. I got to focus. And if you go to, uh, if you go to secular or non, non-faith-based help programs, you know they have the 12-step. <laughs> if you go to those programs that don't understand the word of faith, they will, they will, they will have you focus on the problem. I don't know if anybody's ever been to a, a, a certain, you know, a, a certain program like that. They'll have you focus on the problem and then how to steps that you can take to overcome the problem. But I'm telling you, the Bible gives you the answer right here. Look at verse was verse 16 say this. I say, then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Can we read it this way? Let's read it this way. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh if you walk in the Spirit. Being spiritually developed, living Spirit-filled, and being Spirit-led. If you'll do that, focusing not on your problem. I'm helping you here if I can. Focusing not on your problem but recognizing the answer that God gives to every problem. You'll, you won't fulfill, you won't yield, you won't fall. You won't yield to the desires of the flesh if you'll walk in the Spirit. That's the focus. That's the focus. Fill your life up with God. Fill your life up with His Word. Lift the weights of His Word. Huh? Get, get yourself to where His Word and spiritual expressions are coming out. Yes. And I'm telling you, that's, that's the route yes. to overcoming yes. the flesh. Yes. Amen. Yes. For the flesh, verse 17, the flesh lusts against the Spirit. Your spirit, man, is what really it's talking about. And the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. 
We won't spend a lot of time on that, but it, and it's, it's worded a little weird in this translation, but you get the idea. There's a war going on on the inside of you, no matter who you are, right? Your flesh always wants to be your flesh, and it always wants what the flesh wants. Your spirit, your inner man, the part of you that's, that's alive to God, always wants to do the right thing and always wants to do the God thing and always wants to manifest God. And as we've said before, we'll just reiterate it, whichever one of those two natures is strongest is going to get the soul, the thoughts and the feelings. Amen. And what you want is you want your spirit so strong that your mind and your feelings submit to your spirit. Because how many know all fleshly activity begins with a thought? You might have a feeling, but it, it be, you, you might have whatever urge it is. Uh, maybe you see something on a, on a TV or on an Internet or whatever. You, you'll see something and all of a sudden a desire gets attached to that. And there might be a feeling like a rush or a high that you got from that thing. And you're like, oh, OK, yeah, well, you have to deal right away that if your spirit's strong, it'll swat away that thought. It'll put down that thought right away. But you better trust me. I know, I, I know enough of the Word to know what I'm talking about here today. A, the strong spirit of a man will sustain him, Proverbs says. It'll, it'll swat down. It'll, it'll push down that thought. And your mind will... Get right back in line of submission. Your mind will say, okay, I don't think that way. I don't think those thoughts. I don't look at those things. I don't, no, that's not me. That's not me. I'm, I'm, I'm God all the way. Amen. But again, if you're, if you don't develop your spirit and if you don't live full of your spirit, then you get over to where when, when those desires come, you'll entertain the thought when the thought comes. The thought comes, you need to watch this. You need to look at this. I know uh, t- today, even today, I, I dealt with this. We we mentioned I mentioned uh, just very much in passing at, at lunch today. I mentioned to the pastors ab- uh, about a funny movie that I'd saw with a with a funny actor that we were talking about. And uh, I got thinking about it later and I said, uh, I wonder what. The, let me watch that trailer, you know, just the, the trailer. And uh, and it was funny. I remember it. I said, I remember this one scene and I looked for that one scene and I watched that. And then I realized, wait a second, uh, I'm violating. I'm violating. And I I, I had to stop it. I mean, nobody was naked, at least not in real life. (laughs) Meaning that meaning they were acting like that. But but I but I said, oh, I got to stop that right here because this isn't wholesome and I just got to where okay this is uh you just tell on the inside now I'm I promise you this was nothing this was nothing filthy dirty right nothing not even not even really remotely like that and at other uh in earlier times in my life I wouldn't have had a problem watching that You might say, well, don't you wish you could get back to that? No. No, because I didn't have the anointing to stand in front of somebody and, and, and see him healed right away either. Back then. I have that now and I have to maintain the condition of my inner man. So what was okay? What was okay? And maybe what was okay to watch once several years ago. I can't, I can't do it. You may. I may not. Y'all can eat the sugar. Go ahead. Eat it. You can. I can't because I didn't do a good job of keeping it in check. I couldn't I couldn't have one cookie. No, it had to be several after each meal. That was me. So I just cut it off. But praise God. What's the name of the place has a sugar free candy? Stafford. Yeah, babies. I got me four little pieces of salted caramel sugar-free so i'm in compliance i'm in compliance but i also learned from uh the defrains pastor nancy and dr defrain not to eat 
an entire box of sugar-free candy before service. <laughs> Somebody had blessed her and Dr. Dufresne when, they, when he was on the earth with, uh, I think, a box of them. And they must have been tasty. If mine was tasty today, Stafford. Must have been tasty because they, they just kind of put them away. You know what I'm talking about. And they said during the service they had to take turns dismissing themselves. To... <laughs> but I mean, I just had these little, these little, little tiny things. So the flesh, the flesh is against the spirit. The spirit's against the flesh. They're, they're contrary. So you can't do the things that you would. But verse 18 says, but if you be led, if you be led, if you be led. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you be led. You be led. Be led. If you be led by the spirit. You're not under the law. You know, when these New Testament letters talk about the law, it's talking about the law of Moses, or we scholars would call it Mosaic law and, or Levitical law. Talking about what God spelled out in the first five books of Moses, well, particularly Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, some of Exodus. But anyhow, um, in there he spelled out the law, sacrifices, um, and then the all, different laws that highly regulated the behavior of God's people. And that, that law mirrored the standard of perfection that represents God. And if individuals would keep that law perfectly, they would be godly. Or godlike, and could be fully blessed, but the problem was, no one with flesh could keep it perfect. And so, you know, all they 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 just I mean, you know what it's like to feel like you messed it messed up to feel like you failed. Well, that was every day under the law. But what they're saying, see, now we're under a new covenant. Praise God. We're not under the law of Moses, not subject to that law. And there's a new, but that doesn't mean we're not subject to any law. There's the law of the spirit of life in Christ. There's spiritual law. And here's the long and short of it, friends. If you'll develop spiritually and become spirit filled. Then you don't have to have anybody writing you in a scroll or or on a tablet telling you don't lust after your neighbor's wife don't kill huh why because you're spiritual you you're led by the spirit those who are led by the spirit aren't under the law but nor are they going to violate the law right since I've learned to be led by the Spirit, I've never had God's Spirit lead me to bow down in a room full of idols, statues, right? So I've never broken that commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. I'm not, I'm not doing that, right? So, and, it, and then, of course, in the New Testament, the greatest law that we have is the law of love. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit, if you'll learn to be led prompted, directed, if you'll learn to follow His movement on the inside of you, you're never going to violate that law of love. And so this is how to be a useful spirit being. Usable. To where God can use you to do what Jesus did in the Bible. If you're, if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Praise the Lord. Verse 25, way down towards the end of this chapter, says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Once again, this word, in the Spirit, could be translated by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. 
And so you're going to find this. And, and um, I made mention of my book called Lead over there that, uh, on the first night. And it's a book along these lines. But in every part of your life on a daily basis, you and I are privileged to be able to receive input from God that directs us into the perfection of His will. And how does that input come? By the movement of His Spirit within you. Now, there were, there were times, uh, and I'm sure many of you can relate to this, there were times in my life, my Christian life, when I needed to make a decision that was bigger than just a, uh, you know, like, do I order the number three or the number two combo, right? right. <laughs> so you have to make a bigger decision. So what do you do? You, you pray about it. Yes. Well, well, what does that mean? Practically speaking, what does that mean for most Christians? Oh, God, what do I do? Right? God, show me, show me the answer. And then what? No, I'm just asking you, then what? Then what do you do once you say, God, show me the answer, in Jesus' name, Amen. Please show me the answer, right? You've prayed. Show me what I'm supposed to do. And then what do you do? Well, most, if, you're, if you're like I was, I start looking for my answer. But the way I started looking for my answer was I looked for some kind of external sign. So in my case, I was considering, I had been on the road traveling full-time with a gospel music group. This group was called Truth. They were real popular, especially in the southeast uh, part of the United States. But we'd get, they'd get out to the west coast here in California, maybe once every other year for a tour, west coast tour. And, we came, and when I was with them, we came out here a couple times. But anyhow, I mean, in, in a three-year period, I ministered in about 900 different places. With them, so that tells you that's about six days a week yeah. that we were that we were on the road, different place every night, full time, really, really kind of a big full time thing. So I'm doing that, and it was fulfilling. But I began to read some books, and re- more so than that, listen to cassette tapes. How many are old enough to remember cassette tape? Listen to cassette tapes by uh, Kenneth E. Hagen and. I really did not care for him when I first heard about him. Um, but I'll tell you what, when I, I got hooked when I really opened my heart up to some stuff. And so I kind of got to where it seemed to me that it was in my heart to leave where I was, uh, that leave traveling on the road, and move to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, to attend Ramah, which was Brother Hagin's Bible school. And so, you know, if you're making a decision like that, that's a bigger decision. Talking about moving somewhere. By this time, I was married, and uh, we hadn't ever lived anywhere except for on the bus together. And we were staying in people's homes most nights, once in a while in a hotel. So um, I'm praying about it. But what's that mean for most people? What's it mean I'm praying about it? I'm praying, oh, God, show me what I'm supposed to do. And then I'm looking for my answer. Well, where am I looking for my answer? Well, where am I? Where am I when I'm praying this? Most of the time, I'm on a bus. So I'm looking out the window for my answer. What do you do when you're riding a bus? You're either looking in the bus or you're looking out the window of the bus. And so I'm looking at the, uh, I'm looking at the street signs. And I'm looking at the billboards. And I'm looking, when we're rolling through a town, I'm looking at the signs. Looking for God to somehow speak to me. Looking for some sign like St. George's Waterbeds. (laughs) 
Y'all know you have, a, you have a sign in Porterville for the waterbed store. Don't ever let them tear that down. You hear me? I want to come back here 30, 40 years from now and still see that waterbed sign here. Amen. Because they're coming back. We've had air mattresses. We've had, come on, waterbeds, you know they're coming back. How many ever had one where you lay down and it's like you have to wait for the waves to stop? I had waterbed. Yeah. Anyhow, I'm, I'm, looking, for, I'm looking for signs. Uh, maybe the clouds would form in a big R for Ramah. Or I'm looking for, uh, you know, if there's, a, if there's a, uh, a billboard for a personal injury attorney and his picture's on there, I'm looking for his mouth to start moving and say, go to Ramah. This is your sign. Trying to hear a voice. I was looking to the external because the natural man receives not the things of the spirit because they're spiritually recognized. I wasn't spiritually developed, so I couldn't recognize spiritual movement, even though I did unconsciously pick up on the fact that he was leading me. So the day comes when we uh, were ministering in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, our group. And the day before we were to minister there, we had a day off in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And I got the driver of our bus to drop us off, my wife and I, in Tulsa on his way to Oklahoma City. And I'm not sure how we got down. Somebody gave us a ride down to Oklahoma City. I mean, really, it's only about, what, 50 minutes down there, 45, 50, maybe an hour, depending. And so, uh, no biggie. So uh, we got to Tulsa, and uh, I did have a friend that was there that we, that they were, she was going to show us around, and, and um, we took a tour of the campus. I mean, I got on that campus, and it's like, I, it's like I sensed God on that, just walking on that campus like I sensed God when I came in this building tonight. But that didn't mean anything to me. That's not what I, I didn't pray God show me on the inside. I'm, I need, this is a big decision. That should, I mean, to me, all those good feelings on the inside, that was irrelevant. I need a sign, you understand. And so we uh, booked a room at the Econo Lodge. Well, at the Econo Lodge, you don't got a book ahead of time. <laughs> We went to the Econo Lodge there on Elm Street. Elm Street, also known as 161st East Avenue, I think. But anyhow, right there on Elm Street, uh, they had just north of 71st. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, we were on the second floor of the Econo Lodge. And I'm still praying, man, uh, Lord, man, I like this school. That it, was, it was awesome. And you could actually go out on the, the stairway, kind of the balcony of the hotel, and you could see the campus, the Rama campus. They had just built what is now the Rama Church. And the big faith shield turns around. Uh, anybody ever seen it? You ever seen the faith shield that spins up there? You know, I went so long ago, it was back when you still had to get up there and take turns pedaling <laughs> to make that thing go around. Now, now it's battery operated, you know. It's electronic now, but I went there so long ago. We had, I'm just joking. We didn't have to pedal. <laughs> I sometimes get to minister there at that school, and I'll tell the students that. And they're all like, really? Y'all had to take turns pedaling? <laughs> so anyhow, I get, I get on the balcony, and I look over there towards the school, and a, a beautiful rainbow I'm not lying. A beautiful rainbow appears right over the school. And I turned away for a moment. I looked back and it was gone. And I said, you know, there's something in the Bible about rainbows. You know, it hasn't always been the simple. Well, never know. We won't get it. But anyhow, uh, something in the Bible about rainbows. I got my sign. I got my sign. I'm going to Bible school. Now, do you know what that was? That is not an example of how to be led by the Spirit. That's an example of 
being goofy, flaky, yeah. and how not to be led. But what that also was, because I'll tell you what that rainbow was. That wasn't a coincidence. That wasn't even just a, a weather phenomenon. I believe that was God having mercy on my ignorance and giving me the stupidity that I demanded so that I could get to the place to learn how to develop spiritually, be spirit-filled, and then be (laughs) spirit-led. Now, the whole time I had on the inside something beyond myself that was prompting me, pushing me, directing me to go to this school. And because I was flesh-ruled, I didn't even recognize it. Now I can look back and say, that's exactly what that was. That was the leading of the Holy Spirit. But I felt like a big decision had to have a greater leading. But can I encourage you tonight in closing? You know, when I say in closing, it's just to give some of you hope. Dangling the carrot. (laughs) May happen, it may not happen. (laughs) I don't remember what I was going to say anyhow. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, You think a big decision requires a greater leading. But may I say to you in closing, there is no greater leading then the prompting, the peace, and the push of God's Spirit within you. And, and we could add this, His presence. When His presence is attached to a decision. Are you listening to me? When His presence is attached to that thing you're considering. When you consider it and there's God's presence on it. You don't need a rainbow. You don't need a talking billboard. You don't need St. George's waterbed to light up and flash. You don't need none of that. The greatest leading that you can get is, is that witness on the inside. Now, God can do things more spectacular than that. But that's the greatest. One of the reasons that's the greatest is because that on the inside of you cannot be duplicated by your enemy. The devil can manipulate external circumstances to a degree. Ask me how I know. I used to ha- I used to have a uh, I used to own a lake home. You'll be not surprised to hear it was on a lake. Not in the lake. Lakeside, lakefront. But on the other side of this lake, it was actually three lakes, Casadega Lakes in Casadega, New York. And Casadega Lakes were actually three interconnected lakes. I lived on the South Lake. Of course, there was the North Lake and then the Middle Lake. No, they called it, forgive me, they called it Upper, Lower, and Middle, but it was North and South. So I lived on the Lower Lake and I actually owned the marina on that lake. And... uh, for about nine, ten years, we owned that property. And for about six of those years, it was a real asset. The last four, I was trying to get rid of it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and because uh, we'd moved away. But anyhow, on the north or on the upper lake of Casadega Lakes is the largest spiritualist community in the United States called Lilydale. It's actually its own town with its own fire department and its own post office. I guess if you have a fire department and a post office, you're a town. And Lilydale was, they call it a spiritualist community. Well, what they do is they fellowship with what they call spirits, but really they're demon spirits, mostly lower level demon spirits. And so there was a actual church or gathering place now at that point in my life we were jogging about three times a week and uh <clears throat> those days are behind are behind us actually <laughs> we do other stuff now but uh, anyhow we would there was a path right across this lake and so when you you'd cut we would cut over middle lake there was a bridge to cut over and it was about a two mile loop that we could jog from our house all around 
And so we, we jog, and as you cut over Middle Lake to the other side, there was a gathering place, a church called Fellowship of the Spirits. Fellowship of the Spirits, plural. And they would have things, they would advertise what they had coming up, and one of them was Spirit Fun Day. And on Spirit Fun Day, they would get things to levitate, uh, they would they would go because they were all into there were there were all these mediums yeah, yeah, yeah. that lived there in the community and a couple larges and extra larges, but mostly mediums. <laughs> <laughs> Spirit. <laughs> but they were mostly extra smalls, if you're going to be truthful about it. Spiritual gurus. And I mean, people would come from all over the place to attend the conferences all summer that they had there. Well, I had the marina. I, w- I had a boat rental business, and the husbands would drive their wives there. The, they didn't want to go. The wives wanted to go. Why is it, ladies, that the wives wanted to go feel the vibrations? But the husbands didn't want to go, so I would rent them fishing boats, and they'd spend their day on the lake pulling fish out of the lake. Anyhow, it's coming back to me, but there's a really good story I was going to tell you about uh, fellowships of the Spirit. Yeah, so what, see, they were, they were discerning the movement of evil spirits, false evil spirits. Now, they would, they would have these uh, vibration tours to where you'd go out to the dock when the waters were really calm. And they'd say, can you feel the vibrations of the spirits? Well, we would call that good vibes. Remember how many, you know, good, 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 good vibrations. I got a witness, one witness. We, they'd go out and they'd take a group of people out there. Well, when they were doing that, we'd come by on jet skis. Yes, we would. <laughs> we're Just give you some vibrations, you know what I mean? Praise the Lord. I'm not sure if I, if I uh, was making a point or not making a point, but I was telling you about the fellowships of the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll try. Thank you, Jesus and Pastor. Uh, I was saying the enemy can manipulate things, and he can, even, he can even do some things in the spiritual realm. But what he can't do is he cannot duplicate the peace of God. He cannot duplicate the promptings of God. He can't duplicate the presence of God. That's why, in that sense, the greatest leading is the witness of the Spirit. And so you want to be spiritually developed because here's the thing. God's leading you in every decision. He's guaranteed it. You, as a child of God, you are guaranteed that that leading on the inside of you. But most Christians benefit none benefit nothing from those leadings because they don't even recognize them. The reason they don't recognize them is they're not spiritually developed. They're not spirit-filled. And they haven't learned to be spirit-led. Well, listen, like I told you last night, all I did was, uh, nothing that I said here was exhaustive in in terms of uh, talking about all of it. All I did was open up a bunch of cans of worms and I got them spread all over the place. And your pastors can come kick them out, close them up, do whatever they want to them. But hallelujah. How many, how many of you, you receive something these three days? Yes. Believe, you know, believe in God that he had some deposits for you about just being more mindful of this thing of, of wait a second. I'm not just a physical being. I'm a spirit being. I'm a spirit being. And let's, as, as, much, as, as much effort as we put into being a good physical being. You know, because most of you, you do a decent job. You're trying to keep yourself in shape, right? You fix yourself up a little bit at least. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you, you take what hair you have and you put it in place and all that stuff, right? You're doing that physically, but you need, you need to get yourself in shape spiritually. And I'll tell you what, wouldn't it be something if I come back here next time? And I mean, there's an entirely different spiritual climate here. I mean, it's not bad now. It's not bad now, but, 
But what if I come here and, and, and people are actually spirit filled? You might say, well, we are. No, you're not. I'll tell you when you are. You're not. But you're not spiritually dead. But you're not full. You're somewhere in between, kind of probably more on the mid, mid to low uh, spectrum. Amen. Like most Christians. You're like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? That's what I'm trying to get you to think who you are. Who do you think you are? A spirit being? Who do you think you are? I was sweet for three services. And at the very end, I had, we had to get in it, into it. Believe I'm going to come back to a church full of spiritually developed. Because it doesn't take as long as physical development takes. Spiritually developed. Spirit-filled. Spirit-led people. Amen. Where I can just look at you and see that what's in you is coming out of you. That's how I can tell you if you're spirit-filled. Amen. And we, and we will be excited to get to do that. Thank you. Pastor.